Good morning and welcome to our first service on Sunday mornings. We have two services, the first of which is our Bible prop prophecy update that we do weekly. And then a second service is the actual sermon. And we're currently in the book of Hebrews, but today is going to be the Christmas sermon. And uh, that will be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time. We're going to look at the power of faith over fear as it relates to Joseph and the birth of the Savior. And we're also going to talk about why it is that we even celebrate Christmas knowing of its pagan origins and that Jesus was not born on December 25th. So uh, are we good? Is everybody okay with that? We're going to talk about that. That'll be at 1115 uh, today. Uh, for those of you that are watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we want to redirect you at this time to jdfarag.org. And there you will have the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's prophecy update. All right, I want to talk with you about what's just around the corner. Despite everything that seems to be coming against us in the world today, with everything that's happening in the world today. Doubtless you've heard this saying, just around the corner. Usually it's in the context of something like, hey, it's really been a hard winter or dark winter, dare I say. But spring is just around the corner. Well, you probably already know where I'm going with this, so I'll get right to the point. Yes, it's really getting dark. It's really getting bad. But the rapture is just around the corner. Yeah. I'll take it a step further and suggest that by virtue of the fact that it's getting so bad with everything that is happening and everything that is against us, that is actually evidence of just how close we really are. And we've talked about that before. In fact, I think we talked about that last week. Scripture is replete with men and women of God who experience tremendous adversity, and that's almost an understatement. I mean tremendous difficulty. In fact, for the Christmas sermon second service, I want to talk a little bit about just how difficult it was for Joseph and Mary. I don't think we have any idea of how hard it was for them at that time. But again, Scripture, both Old and New Testament, tremendous adversity. These men and women of God, mightily used of God, and many of them did not know what was just around the corner. And one such man, in fact, he's my favorite. Of course, they're all my favorite, right? But for today, Jacob is going to be my favorite. Oh, it's, um, it's hard to read the account. I mean, he hits rock bottom. I mean, the bottom has fallen out. And as far as he's concerned, at this point in his life, Joseph has been long dead. I would suggest that he's still grieving the death of Joseph, so he thinks. It's been how many years that he's lived with this notion. And by the way, Joseph, his favorite son of all of his sons. And now he's learning as his sons come to him, having returned from Egypt without Simeon, that Egypt is requiring Benjamin to prove that they're not spies. So they come to their dad, and Genesis 42 verse 36 records 
this for us. Their father Jacob said to them after they tell him that, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin? By the way, Benjamin and Joseph were uh, from the same mother. Um, they were uh, biological brothers from the same mother. And Benjamin the youngest, Benjamin. And as far as Jacob is concerned, not, not Benjamin. And then he says these four words. And these four words are words that we have said in our own lives. Everything is against me. It just seems like everything just keeps going from bad to worse. Yeah, it might seem like that. It might seem like everything is against Jacob, but oh, Jacob, if you only knew what was just around the corner for you. Oh, if you only knew. Boy, are you in for a big surprise. And it's found in chapter 45. I'll begin reading in verse 26. So they come back now, the sons, and they tell their dad, they told him, saying, Joseph <laughs> is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, skipped the beat, as we might say, and we're told why, because he did not believe them. No way. Way. Joseph's alive. Yes. No way. Way. I don't believe you. But, verse 27, when they told him all the words, words which Joseph had said to them, the word and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the word of God and the provision of God, he believed. And the spirit of Jacob their father revived. Then Israel, speaking of Jacob, said, it is enough. Can you imagine? Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go see him before I die. Well, it's even better than that. The reason I start out this way is because our greater than Joseph, Jesus, whom Joseph is a type of, is alive. And His return for us is just around the corner. However, ugh, does there have to be a however? Yes. The however is that it is very likely to continue to go from bad to worse with everything that is happening and everything that is even now against us. Actually, this adversity that's against us can be a good thing, even a God thing. And I'll explain why I say that. It's because of the adversity that it will get us to even look to who, not what, is around the corner. Um, I'm going to share in the But God testimony today, one of many, I mean many, that we get. Do you realize how many people have come to Christ because of this? When this started, I mean, everything started happening, everything was against us, but God. 
In fact, while we're talking about Joseph, just real quick, who again is a type of Christ, it's really quite remarkable when he tells his brothers, yeah, what you did against me, against me, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good, for the salvation of many this day. In other words, had you not as evil as it was come against me as you did, there would not have been the salvation of many this day. Can you connect those dots? I've said it before, I'll say it again. This is as good of a time as any to say it. I hope you don't tire of me saying it. I thank God for this crisis. I thank God for it. It has brought so many people and we'll never know this side of the rapture. So many people that will be in eternity because of this as only God can. This is a good thing. It's a God thing because it propels people to look to Him. Because if you really think about it, everything else has been dismantled and destroyed. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to share with you specifically concerning the adversity. <laughs> it's already happening, but what's coming? Oh my goodness. I do so because it is yet another indication, even demonstration of just how close we are to that which is just around the corner. So in order to do that, we'll go ahead and end the live stream at this point and redirect you, if you're not there already, to the website. So I want to share with you an email that I received last week. I have permission to share it with you today anonymously for what I think you'll see are obvious reasons. Dear Pastor JD, I wanted to share with you further evidence of the dark days that await those left behind. What I have attached can only be described as chilling given your last two prophecy updates, which left me compelled to share what I know. For the past 20 plus years, I've been working in the high-tech industry in Silicon Valley, specifically related to RFID at Alien Technology. Yes, that's really their name, Alien Technology. Told you. Artificial intelligence, it's satanic intelligence. In 2008, my partner and I left and started our own RFID company focusing on a high-speed programming and medical application. Last week, we were asked to join a development team working with the government. It was only during and later afterwards, however, we learned of a more sinister customer requirement and not as it was described to us prior. As it turns out, the government team present wasn't FEMA as you'd expect. In fact, no one from FEMA was present, nor any of the development efforts that come out of this project are even going to be shared with FEMA, which seemed odd. And so the question was asked, oh, so who exactly is the group we'll be meeting with today? Why? It's the Department of Homeland Security, of course. Hmm. All I could think about was your teaching on deception and how prevalent it's become in these last days. After our rather uncomfortable meeting with DHS and more graphic details I can't discuss, 
I found the original SBIR, Small Business Innovation Research, on the website. Uh, we've included that link, by the way. Along with 10 other programs, 11 total, one of which, one of the 11 that they were given to bid on. We'll talk about that in a moment. Along with 10 other programs currently active with the Department of Homeland Security. These are active, ongoing, and high-level programs that DHS is working on. Here is the summary, as well as the link to the website. Number one, automated artificial intelligence, AI, distress alerts and monitoring. Um, he had included some commentary parenthetically, and I uh, added to it and edited it and then sent it to him for him to look at. I wanted to make sure I was accurately assessing this from a prophetic perspective. And he said, yeah, that is accurate. So what is this automated artificial intelligence distress alerts and monitoring? That is population surveillance and control. Number two, rapidly deployable countermeasures at protected perimeters and structures. Did you catch that? Protected perimeters and structures? What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like quarantine slash concentration camps? Number three, it gets better. Non-invasive and real-time detection of counterfeit microelectronics. Okay, now here's the thing. So right now there's really no way to authenticate someone's vaccination status. And this is an issue, by the way. And of course they're going to come up with this digital system, which is what number three is. And it will be, they say, non-invasive, meaning remote access and real-time detection and monitoring. This is what I believe will be used as identification, authentication, and verification of vaccination. And it will be a biometric, a biodigital ID in the body. And we've talked about that as well. Number four, this is interesting. Broadband push to talk interoperability platform. <laughs> okay, let's decipher this one. What is this? Well, I think it is interrupting and censoring of the internet and cellular communication. True story. I had someone send me by way of a text message, a video. And when I went to open it up, it was not the video they sent. Do you know why? They sent me the right video. It was <laughs> interrupted, censored by way of this technology where they can interoperate, interoperability, communication. Um, I'll take it further. While last week there was potentially a technical issue with the prophecy update for those watching by way of live streaming, um, a lot of buffering going on. And it's very interesting because the buffering is at specific points. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Oh, come on, Pastor. You're, you're being paranoid. Am I? They have the technology to do that. 
They're already doing that. I know this. Merry Christmas. Just they hear and listen and see everything you do. They see everything you're doing. <laughs> just, just think about that next time you go to the bathroom. Number five, <laughs> I have to put the levity in. A step towards agent agnostic detection of biological hazards. What's this? This is chemical biowarfare, chemical warfare. And it's the monitoring of and the executing of said chemical warfare. Number six, streamlined airport checkpoint screening for limited mobility passengers. My sister uh, came for Christmas this year from California. And when she landed at the airport, she was just stunned. It was like they were, it was like a concentration camp. So depending on your status, you had to go in this line. And everything was shut down and dark and closed. And unlike all the other times when she would come before this all happened, you understand what this is about, right? This is limiting travel, limiting mobility. In fact, it really is just a matter of time, I believe. In fact, in some ways, and I praise God for this, because He is restraining the evil and sustaining the righteous. But it's just a matter of time before you will not be able, and here we are out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you will not be able to get on an airplane with a negative test. You will have to have been injected with whatever this thing is in order to get on that plane. Otherwise you cannot travel. And it's just a matter of time. Now number seven is the one that this brother's company was given to bid on. It's mass fatality tracking system. <laughs> MFTS. Uh, we'll talk more about this in a moment, but this is population reduction and tracking of humans dead or alive. Okay, hang on to that. We're going to come back to that. Number eight, next generation semiconductor based spectro spectroscopic personal radiation detectors, SPRDs for short. I can say SPRD better. What's this? Oh, sounds to me like uh, nuclear, chemical detection and warfare, next generation personal radiation detectors. What do you need a personal radiation detector for? Oh, because there's radiation. That's why. Yeah. Number nine, field forward diagnostics for select agent list toxins. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm chuckling. You know what this is? This is uh, chemical warfare by way of poisons and toxins in the air land and sea. And oh, by the way, this is what they're spraying in the skies, known as chemtrails. They are spraying the skies and they are poisoning the air. And they're poisoning the soil and the food and they're poisoning the water. Oh, come on. This is an active project. And I'm going to give you a timeline here in a moment. That'll really ruin your new year. 
Number 10 kind of seems to tie in with number nine. It's a wearable detector for aerosolized chemical threats. Really? Aerosolized? Yeah, it's either inhaled or injected. They're going to get it into you somehow. What are they going to get into you? Oh, these toxins, these poisons. This is aerosolized chemical warfare detection and surveillance. And they're already doing it. By the way, if you're interested, there's a documentary online. I think it's still on YouTube, unless they've taken it down. It's by Dane Wigington of geoengineeringwatch.org, uh, I think is the site. And he put together a very well documented and very good uh, documentary. It's about two hours long. It's called The Dimming. And it's irrefutable proof that they have been spraying the skies with poisons, poisons, toxins in the air. And I mean, it is, I don't recommend it for the faint at heart. And it's not conspiracy theory. It is conspiracy. You know what a conspiracy is? It's a conspiring together. It is a conspiracy, but it's not a theory. And number 11, lastly, from port side to pen side, low-cost detection diagnostics for high-consequence transboundary or nationally reportable animal diseases, particularly those, those with zoonotic propensity. Did you get that? <laughs> Sounds to me like another so-called virus and variant spread nationally and internationally, blaming it on, I don't know, bats, cats. According to the Simpsons, you know, those great theologians, the Simpsons, it's going to be the cat flu. So just wanted to let you know about that in advance. These are 11 projects that are on the table as we speak. He goes on to write in his email to me, as believers in our Lord Jesus and looking forward to His soon return, my partner and I decided a long time ago that our new company would never use this technology, our experience or knowledge to track people alive or deceased. And so we've respectfully declined further efforts in this regard. God bless you, Pastor J.D. and all your staff, as we keep you in our thoughts and prayers, and for all the members of the church there, which is you. Someday I hope we can meet. We will, if not here or there in the air for sure. Pictured here is a screenshot of an email to his company concerning the aforementioned number 7, DHS 221-007 mass fatality tracking system, MFTS, and it's been re redacted to protect his identity, again, for obvious reasons. It reads as follows. This is from DHS to him. Hope all is well. We are looking to apply to another proposal. This proposal is for a mass fatality tracking system. The objective is to develop a low-cost device to ensure that following a mass casualty incident, MCI, comprehensive location and recovery details of human remains are recorded at the point of discovery and tracked to document details relevant to victim identification and law enforcement. We are looking to develop a low-cost and spatially aware electronic tag to catalog all human remains, location, information, 
within, listen to this, a centralized cloud-based data storage and display tool. The idea is to combine a tag with some type of storage and GPS where we can connect that tag with victim environmental details, photos, and general descriptive text. This would be an active tag that will connect to mobile communications nodes, which also needs to be developed. So after a follow-up email to this brother, first thanking him for sending me this information, I asked him about the timeline of all of this. And he responded with the projected dates of this SBIR, which are broken down into six various phases. Phase one, supplier submission and qualification review, January 20, 21st, 2022. That's next month, in about a month from now, on the 21st. Phase two, proposal review and DHS critique, March 31st, 2022. Phase three, cost analysis and proof of concept submission, April 20th, 2022. Just around the corner. Phase four, prototype and testing, May 2nd to July 8th, 2022. Phase five, Bid Selection Contract Award, August 3rd, 2022. And lastly, Phase 6, Deployment, September 1st, 2022. That's the timeline. He then provided one last comment in his follow-up email to me, saying, as far as other items worth noting, one was just how cold and matter of fact, the topic was discussed. Even levity at one point during the meeting seemed totally inappropriate. Cold, callous, calculated. This is what they're planning. This is what's coming just around the corner against us. And in some ways, in some measure is already here, working against us. Now, I suppose the question becomes one of, how does this mass fatality tracking system and all the others with it fit in with prophecy in the Bible? And for the answer to that question, we need look no further then to the book of Revelation, specifically chapters 6 through 19, which are all about the seven-year tribulation. Even more specifically, the well-known and often quoted, especially recently, prophecy in Revelation 13 about a biodigital ID that will track every human on the planet. And it will determine whether or not you will be able to function in society, socially, based on your social credit score, because it's all going to be connected to the Internet of Things, which is now being referred to as the Internet of Bodies. Again, you'll forgive me for saying this every week, it seems like now, but this is the end game. <laughs> this is where all of this is going. This is just right around the corner. The technology is already in place. In fact, this is one of the reasons why we know that this is it, that this is how it ends. It ends in the rapture for the believer, and it ends in the seven-year tribulation for the non-believer. This is how it ends. You cannot fast forward much further beyond this, because if you do, then as fast as technology has advanced heretofore, if you fast forward even 10 years, and I'm not date setting, 
But even if you fast forward 10 years, you exceed at this rate, and it's not going to be at the same rate as the last 10 years, it will be even faster. And you go 10 years out, and the technology that you'll find in 10 years exceeds the technology that we have in the Bible. I think we did an update, it was a while back, titled, Strike While the Iron's Hot. You've heard it said, doubtless, <laughs> they say it all the time, never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, they created this crisis. You think they're going to waste it? You think they're not going to take advantage of it? Enter the Great Reset and one Klaus Schwab and the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is a transhumanism merging of man with machine. It's already here. The technology is already here. And it will come by way of an Elon Musk type Neuralink chip in the brain that connects you to the internet of bodies. So they track you. All of these 11 that I just went through, <laughs> they all point to exactly what we're told in Bible prophecy. It is with precision, 100% accuracy. Everything is described. And you know, uh, hear me out. What are you going to say? No, I can hear you out. Uh, I just got to just hear my heart, please, on this. I, I am struggling, like I'm sure you are too. I am so struggling with all of this, because I'm looking at all of this, and I, I watch people, and I can't for the life of me figure out how it is that they can't see it. They're so blind. I mean, the only thing that I can even come close to settling my heart is that maybe it's the grace of God. Because if they knew and they did see it and still rejected Christ, their judgment for all eternity is worsened. They're beat with more stripes, Jesus said, Luke's gospel records. You understand that there's going to be different levels in hell for all eternity. And by the way, hell is for all eternity. And I, I, I just, it's inexplicable. And then when I think about Jesus teaching in parables, even the disciples asked him, why, why do you, why don't you just, why do you teach in parables? Why, why, why the riddles? And it's really the grace of God, because He already knew they were going to reject Him. And you're judged according to the light that's been shown you. So if they would have seen it, if they would have gotten it, and they still rejected Christ, their eternal damnation would be infinitely worse. That's the, listen, I, I'm trying here. If you have a better explanation, I am absolutely very interested in hearing it. But that's the only thing I can come. And then I'll, I'll add to that and include with that, come, coming packaged with that is what, well, really the Savior Himself said it, deception. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the Thessalonians in his second letter, chapter 2, talks about God Himself sending a powerful delusion, a strong deception. And we're told why He does, by the way. Uh, it's because they had already re rejected Him. They rejected the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They'd already rejected Him. In other words, their mind was already made up, their fate already sealed, their heart already hardened. And He just gives them over to, God will never force Himself on anyone. So if you, you reject Him, in His grace, in His mercy, He will blind you to the truth. He's not deceiving. 
He's giving you over to the deception you're already in. Again, that's the only thing I can come up with. Is it heartbreaking? Of course it's heartbreaking. I would venture to say that many of you during Christmas were on the receiving end of just the heartbreak of a family member who wants nothing to do with you because of this. You're a threat to them. You're the problem, by the way. And they bought into this lie. And yet we hear about these people who have, what, got their third booster shot now? And if they're not hospitalized and eventually die, it's because of that. And we're hearing things like, boy, I'm so glad I got my booster shot in the hospital, because I could have been sicker. What? kind of feel like Jacob. Yeah, a little bit. Everything is against me. Everything is against us. My family's against me. My employer's against me now. And if that weren't bad enough, my wife was sharing with me, I don't want to get too far into this, but I think the Holy Spirit would have me to at least share this. And again, I'm just sharing my heart with you. Churches, churches. And I just think to myself, you know, <sighs> they're saying peace, peace when there's no peace. They have no idea what's coming, what's just around the corner. But God, thank God for but God, right? On Thursday night we were in Isaiah chapter 54 and 55. Both chapters have two very well-known promises, the first of which is about that which is against us. You know this well, right? No weapon forged against us will prosper. It might seem like it, might seem like, man, this is really bad, <laughs> but it will not prosper. It will not prevail. And it actually ties into a second very well-known promise that we, in fact, it's probably even better known. And it's in chapter 55 about how God's ways are not our ways. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so too are His ways higher than ours. Nor are His thoughts our thoughts. How does that tie in to no weapon forged against you will prosper? I'm so glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. No weapon forged against God's people will prosper, but <laughs> The way God's going to do it is not the way we think. In the end, He will have the final word. But it's not the way we think. It's not the way we would anticipate, because His ways are not our ways. Can, can we just think this through for just a moment, just real quick, if you don't mind? Could you imagine if God thought the way we think? Think about that. How scary would that be if our thoughts were God's thoughts and our ways were God's ways? First of all, we would be in deep kimchi. Secondly, He would not be God. He is infinite. We are finite. 
And his ways are infinite, too high for our finite understanding. So God, I've got this promise from you. Everything is against me. And you've promised me that no weapon forged against me will prosper. Have you seen these 11 weapons that they are forging against us? Yeah, I did. I knew they were. In fact, that's why I, I told you about it before it happens, so that when it happens, you would believe. But I'm also telling you that, yeah, they are forging those weapons against you, but just wait and see what I'm going to do, what's just around the corner. Well, how are you going to do it, Lord? Or better ask, when are you going to do it, Lord? <laughs> because isn't it true that not only is it not how we think or the way we think, it's not when we think, because God's timing is not our timing. In fact, God is not subject to time. God dwells in eternity. He knows the end from the beginning. <laughs> so here we are trying to figure it out, right? Come on, let's be honest. You're in church. I don't want to show hands, but how many of us are trying to figure out the ways and the whys of God? How's that working out for you? I'll just speak for myself. It's not working out too well for me, because my ways are not His ways. Now, if I were God, this is the way I would do it. <laughs> I would just torch Him right there on the spot, <laughs> which is why I'm not God. <laughs> you ever ask yourself the question of why it is that when Lucifer exalted himself in heaven and declared that he would be above the Most High God, when he was filled with pride. I will ascend my throne above the Most High. I will, I will. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's eight eyes in there. As one said, the letter I is appropriately placed right smack in the middle of the word pride. So too is it right smack in the middle of the word sin. And so too is the letter I right smack in the middle of Lucifer. So whenever you start saying, I, 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 be careful. <laughs> but do you ever wonder why it is that when Lucifer did that, that God didn't just, just say, really? I created you. you you're going to be like that? Zap! Start over. Oh, third of you are with Him? Zap! Why didn't God do that? Well, if God would have done that, could you imagine how that would have changed the complexion of heaven forever? So now instead of serving Him out of love by choice, the whole of heavens, the heavenly host, is now serving Him out of fear. Did you hear what He did to Lucifer the other day? We better watch our P's and Q's, man. He just zapped him and a third of the angels. We better be really careful. And all of a sudden it just changes the whole dynamic. No, it had to run its course. And never imagine that when Lucifer was cast down to the earth, and then as the serpent tempted Eve and deceived Eve, and sin entered the world, that Jesus was plan B. That would be almost blasphemy to see it that way. That was God's plan from the very beginning. You don't think that God didn't know that Lucifer was going to do that in heaven? He knew that before He created Lucifer. He knew what Lucifer was going to do. He also knew what Adam and Eve were going to do. He had this plan all along. I say all that to say this, everything is going 
exactly, precisely, accordingly to God's prophetic plan. Did you imagine if God were caught off guard by something? When did the DHS decide this? No, it's just the, the, the proverb says he, he directs the hearts of man like the water flows downstream. It's kind of like he, he's the one, he, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but this is bad. I know. Watch me now. Watch what I'm going to do. You mean it for evil. And I'll go back to Jacob just one more time. Hope you don't mind. And we're going to talk about this again in the uh, sermon, the Christmas sermon, out of Matthew's Gospel, by the way. But I think we do err greatly when we don't see these people as real people like you and me. Jacob was just like us, with all the stresses and pressures. And, and when he hits rock bottom like that, when he says, everything is against me, there's almost a subtle, it's not said, but maybe implied that he even thinks maybe God is against him. And make no mistake about it, that's what Satan is all about, is to deceive you and to get you to believe that God is against you. And nothing could be further from the truth. If you're here in this church or watching online and you have any doubt, and maybe the enemy has just gotten away with this, I would really encourage you to spend some time in Romans chapter 8. If God is for me, and it says that in the original too, <laughs> if God is for me, no one, no thing, no plan, nothing can be against me, because God is for me. Who or what is going to be, you, you want to come against me? No weapon forged against me, because God is for me. No one can be against me. In fact, if you want to try to come against me and do like Joseph's brothers, this evil against me, God's going to take it as only He can. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate because this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. God takes that evil plan. Yes. Praise the Lord. We'll be done here in a, don't look at your watches. God has only He can. He takes that that is forged against us. He says, oh, this is good. Watch me now. And he just turns it and works it and means it for good. Okay, one last thing and then we'll bring it to an end. I think a textbook example of this is in the book of Esther. Remember when we were going through the book of Esther, one of my favorite books, and <laughs> along with all the other books of the Bible, but today Esther's the, the favorite. This guy, Haman, demon-possessed, and he got the king to issue an edict, irreversible by the way, to destroy all of the Hebrews. And Mordechai, it's a fascinating story. Who would have ever imagined that it would turn out the way it did in the end? The evil that was plotting, that plotted against them. So he gets this edict to kill every single Hebrew. And Mordecai is, I mean, Haman is celebrating this. In fact, He's actually building these gallows. Now, do not imagine these as, you know, hanging someone by the neck with a rope. The gallows that Haman built for Mordechai were a 
stake straight up that they would impale people on alive. A cruel way to die. That's what he was building. And it just so happens, what a coincidence, right? The king one night can't sleep, so he has them bring him and read him the Chronicles, you know, that'll put me to sleep right there. And it just so happens, what a coincidence, what are the odds that they would grab, I can almost see the, the, the hand of the Lord guiding them as they're going through the library to get the scrolls. Which one are we going to read? The king he can't sleep again. Oh, let's grab that one. No, not that one, this one. Oh, and they go and they read the exact account of when Mordecai uncovered a plot to kill the king. And the king's like, ho, because he's a local king. <laughs> ho, did, did we ever reward this man? That's not here in the record, king. Hey, we got to reward him. And then here's Haman planning and plotting all night, shows up early in the morning. And the king says to him, oh, Haman, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, question, what should be done for the man that the king wants to honor? And here's Haman, so full of himself. Talk about an eye problem. <laughs> He's thinking, oh, the king wants to honor me. So what does he do? He says, oh, the, he describes in great detail, I think he should have the robe, your robe. He should be put on your horse, and he should be paraded through the streets, and they should hail him and praise him. Can you imagine? This is a, these are real people. This really happened. Can you imagine? I would have loved to have been a fly on a camel to see the look on his face when the king turns to him and says, that's perfect. Go do that for Mordecai. <laughs> and you know the whole banquet thing, I don't have time, doesn't permit, but it is so, that's what God's doing now. It's Esther 2, the sequel, <laughs> on a grand global scale. Here's the plot of Haman in this world against us. And God's like, those, those hallows, the, the, the gallows that you're making, in fact, in the Proverbs it says, you, you want to set a trap for that man, you're going to fall in that trap that you set. And that's exactly what happened. He ends up getting impaled. I would have loved to have seen that too. Is that bad? Is that sick and twisted? But I would have loved. He's... <laughs> That is, just pray for him. He's impaled on the very gallows that he made. God's going to do that. God is doing that. God is doing that because no weapon forged against us will prosper. Period. End of story. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's, uh, I, said, I said I was going to bring it to a close, so let's bring it to a close. You know, this is why we do these updates, right? We don't know when. We don't know the way. We don't know how, because His ways are not our ways. But we do know that. We do know that. We don't know when, but we know that by faith. This is why it is so important. In fact, that's Isaiah 55 as well. Seek the Lord while He can be found. Today is the day of salvation. There is no more time. We have to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. And this is why we end with the gospel and the ABCs of salvation. What are the ABCs? Well, it's a very simple childlike explanation of salvation. It's not a formula, but the A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned and are in need of a Savior. Because if you think about it, unless and until we come to that place where we admit or acknowledge that we've sinned, we're not interested in the Savior. We think we're good enough. And if you ask the average person, 
on the street, are you going to go to heaven? They're going to say, yeah. And if you ask them why, they're going to tell you, basically, I'm a, I'm a good person. Well, you might be a good person, but Romans 3.10 says you'll never be good enough. There is no one righteous, not even one. And then Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned. We were all born sinners and fall short of the glory of God, which is why we must be born again in order to enter heaven. Romans 6.23 starts with the bad news first, because it's the penalty for that sin, and then quickly offers the good news. What's the bad news? Well, the bad news is the wages of sin is death. It's the death penalty. And by the way, when, when you say the wages of sin is death, this is eternal for all eternity. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Just believe. It's actually as simple as be. Just believe. And the C, lastly, which comes as a result of the B, when you believe in your heart, you're going to <laughs> express and confess with your mouth and call upon the Lord. And this is what Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, and I know for most of you, you hear this every week, but please hear Romans 10.13 with different ears to hear today. Because this is how you can be saved. You just call upon the name of the Lord. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, aren't I supposed to say a prayer a certain prayer a certain way? No. Aren't I supposed to? Maybe I should clean up my act first. Really? That's as absurd as taking a shower before you take a bath. No, He cleans you from the inside out. It's the regeneration work of the Holy Spirit living in you to live a holy life. You come just as you are. Yeah, but pastor, you don't, you don't know what I've done. With all due respect, I don't want to know. <laughs> but God knows, and there's no sin He cannot forgive. The only unforgivable sin is rejecting Jesus Christ and blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's the only sin that cannot be forgiven. Every other sin, yeah, but you don't understand. I, I'm involved in some really sinful stuff. Why do you think Jesus came? Yeah, but it's bad. <laughs> Jesus died for sinners. Jesus paid the price for sinners. He paid the purchase price for your gift of eternal life, and He paid for it in full on your life, as sinful and as bad as it's been or is, is stamped in the blood of Jesus Christ, paid in full. Good news. You're free to go. Your debt's been paid. That's what the word gospel means. That's the good news. It's that simple. I implore you, anyone, and I make no assumptions. You might be here in this service or watching online. You're not, by the way, this is no accident. <laughs> that you're watching this video, that you were led to this video. Today is the day of salvation. I implore you, I implore you, I plead with you, do not delay the most important decision of your life for eternal life. Can I share quickly a but God testimony? This one comes from Brianne Cicero, who writes, Hi JD, this is somewhat of a follow-up message from your But God testimony submitted by Jamie Opwall. This is about two, three weeks ago. 
I am one of the many souls who Jamie has led to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I worked at the same hospital as him, and about two years ago, he led me to Christ. Since then, I've been watching your videos and updates every week. I have led both my mother and husband to Christ, and continue to teach my young children, five and two, the truth and wisdom that comes from the Bible. This past summer, I knew it wasn't long before the hospital that both Jamie and I worked at was going to mandate the jab. I started searching for a job. Interview after interview, every company I met with was requiring the vaccination. I felt hopeless and stressed because I just knew we couldn't survive off my husband's income alone, but God. I was offered a position within weeks of the hospital mandate at a well-known company in New England. They were willing to pay me more, <laughs> and I would be able to work less. The company did, however, mandate the vaccine, but accepted my religious exemption that I wrote based upon the one you had sent me. I am now able to spend more time with my children and have since found an amazing local church where both my husband and I were baptized this past October. My son attends their Christian Academy within the church, and I'm more than proud to see him come home memorizing Scripture. He tells me he wants to be a pastor one day. We need to talk about that. <laughs> God is truly amazing. He has opened my eyes to the truth that has been hidden from me all my life. I was blind, but now I see. Thank you, J.D., for always speaking the truth and love. And God bless you, your family, and your ministry. With much love, Brianne Cicero. Praise the Lord.